to the Chris the Freelancer podcast. Hey, Freelance family, thanks for joining us. This is the show that's all about location independence, remote work, freelancing, and online business. If you're looking for advice and inspiration for your own digital nomad journey, this is your podcast. So without further ado, here's Chris. Hey guys, welcome back to the Chris the Freelancer podcast. Today is the first episode back after a year of being on hiatus. For those of you who tuned in last year, you might remember that the podcast became a bit hard to manage, so I hung up the mic in October 2016 stay focused on the blogging and making videos. Uh, but a lot has changed in the last year, and I've decided now to bring back the podcast and share new episodes whenever they become available. So I hope you're ready for now what I'm calling season two of the podcast, starting today with location-independent entrepreneur and blogger, Johnny FD. Hello, everyone. Um, Chris here with Johnny, the man himself. Um, This is the first episode of the second season of the Chris the Freelancer podcast. Season two, Game of Thrones. <laughs> and uh, actually, if you're listening to this um, on audio, we're actually recording a video as well. Um, Johnny convinced me to record it on my camera as well. So if you're not, if you're not watching, it, watching this right now, we're actually at Coworking C in Las Palmas. Yeah, that's such a cool backdrop. Nice couches. We've got coffee, so why not share yeah. the ambiance with everyone? Yeah, I was joking before that it's like we could call this like on the couch with Johnny and Chris or something because it almost looks like a talk show setup. Yeah, yeah. I like it. <laughs> awesome. So season one, I was very structured in, with how I did um, the podcast and I had set questions and I tried to dug in, dig into people's origin stories and I was really yeah particular about that. But in season two, I want it to be a bit more loose and I've come here today with no written down questions or anything like that, but it's good that I've got Johnny here because he is an experienced podcaster. So, so get ready ready for either the worst episode you've ever heard, and you're going to be like, eight thumbs down for Chris, you're going to create new YouTube accounts to thumb down it, or you're going to be like, Chris, that was great, I, I like that format. Yeah, but I was, I was saying to you but just before we, we got on it that um, like I was asking you whether you, you actually have questions, but how you do it is quite fluid as well right yeah so for my main podcast travel like a boss i only interview people that i meet in person yeah in general like 99 percent of the time and those are people that i'm curious about anyways and like i either already know them pretty well i'm friends with them and that's why i know more about their travel and business or it's somebody that i genuinely want to know mm-hmm. and find out more about so i figured um, let me ask them all the questions that I want to know over the next hour and then just share it. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I, ha- I have this question that comes up whenever I listen to your, your podcast is because you travel to a lot of different places, but you um, always seem to find interesting people to, to meet and interview. How do you, do you kind of search the blogosphere for people in areas you travel to or do you know that you're going to be interviewing them before you arrive there or how does that work? To be honest, sometimes it's hard in... in Chiang Mai, it's so easy. People yeah. just come. Like, there's an interesting person that, that just comes into the coworking space at least once a week. Yeah. So that's easy. In places like Ukraine, it was hard to even find anyone, just to meet anyone, yet alone someone interesting that has traveled and works online is location independent. Yeah. So having the Travel Like a Boss podcast has forced me over the last three years to go out of my way to meet interesting people. Yeah. And... 
to go out of my way to contact them and say, hey, you know, do you want to grab lunch? Uh, and then do you want to come on the podcast? Yeah. And I, I do it in that order first. I first just ask, hey, do you want to grab lunch? And if they're interesting, I'll say, let's have this conversation on the podcast instead. It's, yeah, it's a similar thing in the video world as well because you want your week to be interesting viewing. So I try to, it's a good push to make my week a little bit more interesting and inject a bit more variety in it to make the vlog more interesting. So having a purpose with online media kind of pushes you in the right direction as well. And I'm sure you've made some great connections from outreaching the people to be on the podcast too. Yeah, like I've met some of my best friends now from you know, having them as a guest on the podcast whether we would have became friends anyways, you know, maybe I would have met them and hung out with them more anyways. Yeah. Or the podcast was like the catalyst of having us sit down for an hour and get to know each other. Yeah. So a couple examples, Sam Marks. Yeah. He's now the host of my other podcast, Invest Like a Boss, but I met him because I had the Nomad Summit and he came on as a speaker and I didn't really know him that well before that. Yeah. And then I still didn't know him that well. I knew about his business, how he... So, you know, if you guys haven't seen it, it's on YouTube and it's free. Um, but basically, he was the first person, the first business to bring e-cigarettes to Europe. Mm. And they sold it for like $100 million or something insane. Yeah. So then I had him on my podcast and we didn't talk about business at all. We talked about his life and him traveling to like Antarctica and what he did with all that money. Yeah. And that's when I actually got to know him as a friend. And now we are traveling together and we're doing the other podcast together and that wouldn't have happened i think if it wasn't for the podcast okay yeah what's he doing what's he up to these days i've sort of i kind of was keeping up to date with your podcast and he was doing um last time i saw he was like doing some kind of uh satirical trip across the beaches <laughs> or like or something like that what was that about yeah so he tries to do one big like walking trip a year so last year it was around kosamoy yeah and it was funny. I actually wrote it into a blog post because he had, he had it on his personal Facebook. Yeah. But if you, unless you were friends with him, you, know, like you just didn't get to see how funny it was. Yeah. And he was basically like reporting day by day, writing this like long entry. He was showing photos about how hard his life is. <laughs> you know, like you know, had to stop at this five-star resort for a coconut because we were dying of dehydration. Yeah. So I think satirical is the wrong word. I couldn't figure out what was the... It was like, um, I guess in Australia, we'd say taking the piss or something. Yeah, I, I think satirical is the perfect word for it. Yeah. Um, so he's still doing big trips. So about two or three months ago, I walked with him across Ireland. Mm. Well, I did the first, I think, eight days. And he kept going... For an, I think in total it was like close to 30 days. It was long. Wow. Yeah. And I, here, here I am thinking there's a hike in, uh, in Grand Canaria on Tuesday that runs like 8 to <laughs> eight to 5 or something. And I'm like, whoa, that's a long day. Was there a, a set number of time that he was going to do it for? Or he just kept walking until he No, until I, I think the, the plan was always going to be about 25 to 30 days. Mm. And he did it to raise money for kids in Cambodia. So... It was for a good cause, and I, I talked to him, I spoke to him like a few times during that trip after I left, and he said that if it wasn't for that charity, he would have stopped long ago. Yeah. Yeah, having a kind of greater mission, because I mean, he's made it right now, and, and I guess this is something maybe we can talk about with yourself as well, that um, you recently announced retirement. <laughs> you got financial security and certain level financial freedom. 
I guess your motivations change and, and, and you need, and maybe you get motivated by a higher mission perhaps. Or a higher, higher dollar amount. Okay. And here's the, here's the thing is I'm very lucky to be friends with Sam because when I sold my business and I had like $100,000, I thought I was set. I was like, this is, I'm done. Yeah. And then hang out with him who sold it for a hundred million. Yeah. And you know, to be fair, he had like five partners. There were there was tax. There's all these other things, but like even if you just factor all that in, he he has like way over ten million dollars. Yeah. Which is you know, if anyone listening to this, you're like, if I had that much, I would just retire. Yeah. And it's true, you can just retire, right? So we were hang, you know, we've been hanging out for the last kind of two years off and on, and I realized I was like, man, his like our lifestyles aren't that different mm. because with having let's say I think in total when I retired if you guys haven't read that blog post it's on johnnyft.com I had about $500,000 in net worth from running my my online businesses investing it selling my two dropshipping stores kind of everything combined yeah and from that I was like okay with about $2,000 a month in like investment income mm. And then another five, six, seven, eight thousand from passive income from my affiliate marketing, my blogs, my podcast, things like that. Yeah. I was like, I can retire. Like, wh- why am I still working? Yeah. So that's why I decided to retire. Mm. But I realized our lives were like, like not different at all. I mean, you know, there's only so many nice restaurants you want to eat at. There's only so many times you're gonna fly somewhere. And I was like, what am I? What am I aiming for? What's that n- next level? Like, what's the point? And from the other side, the also kind of the downsides of it. Hey, how you doing? Good, yourself. Good. Are you? Are you talking? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's okay. You want to? You want to get in the? You want to get in? So Chris's podcast. So um, Nacho, the uh, founder of the co-working space um, we're currently at, wanted to come down and say hi. Oh, you guys doing? Good to see you guys around. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk more later. Oh, there's a camera. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> okay see ya. I'd probably cut that out, but I don't know if it's probably going to make it into the video. Yeah, why not? I think it's actually fun. Like people can see what it's like this being real. <laughs> at a co-working space. People coming in and out. You know, you're always making new friends. Mm. So I like it. But anyways, to uh, what you were saying, and to wrap it up too, it's having money like doesn't actually make you happier. And I know this for sure because Sam has, you know, how many times more than I do, yeah. and he's not that much more times happier. Like, you know, if he has 200 times more money than me, he should be yeah. theoretically 200 times happier, but he's yeah. definitely not. There's not a direct correlation. Not at all. I mean, and if you guys, you know, can't pay rent this month and you can't feed your kids, you know, like that, like to be able to do that, you'll be a million times happier but then after having the kind of the basics of yeah. rent, food, shelter, the like the kind of I don't know, I guess after that, like the the multiple is a lot smaller. Yeah. So there's that study in, in the US, I think it's um eighty thousand dollars or something a year. Once you hit that number, then your marginal uh like increase in happiness compared to making more money is like like a billionaire, if he makes an extra million. Like, it almost doesn't matter. Yeah. But here's the thing is, what does make me happy, I was just thinking about this yesterday. Okay. So today, if you notice, I don't have my laptop on me. It's mm-hmm. Friday. I'm not working. Mm-hmm. So this morning, I woke up, and I went snorkeling. Nice. And then 
I hung out with my buddy Chris for like an hour, had breakfast, walked over here, met up with you and someone who messaged me on um, online and says, do you want to grab lunch? I'm in Grand Canary. Yeah. And then I'm doing this with you guys. So that makes me happy. <laughs> like having the freedom to say, I'm burnt out today. I don't feel like working. I want to just chill. That makes me happy. You know, and not having to worry about the money. Um, and would I be happier if I was making 10 times the amount of passive income? I don't think so. I think by having the freedom to take a day off, you know, uh, of work whenever I feel like and having a three-day weekend every weekend if I wanted to, that makes me happy. Yeah. And I, I remember asking you um, when you posted this article, I guess it's like good blogging headlines as well, like I'm, reti- I'm retiring. And then I was just like, wait, so, you, you know, content for Johnny FD is going to finish, you know, like the, there's no travel like a boss podcast. But of course, you're still you're still doing those things. And yeah. I, I guess retirement for you is I'm not going to force myself to do anything I don't want to for money yeah. is that that's the kind of exactly mindset, right? 100% because I know for sure and this was actually difficult for me to wrestle with because it's funny that for the last three years that I've been talking about dropshipping everybody was hating on it saying oh it doesn't work you know yeah. it's BS and then as soon as I sold my stores and then I think just this year 2017 yeah. everybody's doing it and there are like hundreds of people talking about it now and there's like thousands of people who are posting screenshots and making sales and successful so if I wanted to start another store and case study it I would actually make a lot of money and I thought about it like I've been struggling with if I should do it or not because the most I was making when I was kind of in total uh, including running the store but my affiliate income my YouTube income, all, you know, everything kind of combined was when I was actively building stores and case studying it and kind of showing people the back end. Yeah. Because people want to see you kind of going through it. They want to see that you're actively doing it. So I know for sure that if I started another store from zero and documented the whole thing and then showed, okay, like here's, you know, today I made my first sale and then oh, I'm doing a thousand a month now, 10,000 a month, whatever, whatever. And I did it as a, another case study, my income will go a lot higher. Yeah. But it's I've been through that like three times now and I'm so tired of building store from scratch because every time it gets a little bit easier but it's still just as much work you still spend the same amount of hours uploading products and writing descriptions and working out your your marketing and I'm like I don't want to do anymore because it's not fun for me yeah it's a means to an end right yeah yeah and um, I guess you enjoy the blogging a lot more. Yeah, and I love blogging. Like, I've been blogging now for 10 years, and I never got paid for it until a few years ago. Yeah. So I've always liked doing it. So that's why I know for sure, even when I am fully retired, and I don't want to ever work again, and if it wasn't for the money, I would still blog, because I was doing it for eight years before I ever got paid for it. Nice. And I guess podcasting is the same thing. You, you'd be doing that. I guess everything you do now is, is, is you'd be doing it regardless yeah, right exactly and it's nice the f- the fact that i can also get paid to do it not not get paid but bring in traffic bring in um more passive income yeah by having higher more viewers more followers or mm-hmm. kind of like the the content spreading and but here's the thing is if you notice i write less blog posts now and i write on things that i like writing about yeah so Late, like I think for a month, I went on this tangent about buying houses. Like, should I buy a house or not? <laughs> and I made like four or five videos. I wrote a crazy long blog post, knowing that my audience, the location dependence digital nomad audience, they're not going to buy a house. Yeah. And I'm not going to get any money if they buy a house or not. 
because I'm not a real estate agent or anything, but I really wanted to tackle this for myself. And one of the ways that I dissect information is I like do all the research and then I create like a slideshow and I talk about it, I teach the basics to someone else and then I get feedback through the comments and then I make the next video and that's how it clarifies for me. Okay. So throughout that process, which took me like two months, I wrote one blog post <laughs> about real estate, uh-huh. which I, I haven't tracked it, but I, I almost guarantee you it's not made me any money mm-hmm. uh, compared to like uh, if I wrote a blog post about something else. Yeah. But I just like doing it. Yeah, and you've built the platform now. Like, like you said, you're you're working at the blog for a while with, with, without making any money, and um, that that's the reason why you, you you can you have a platform to write about and and, and make money from it today. Mm-hmm. And that's I you know like passive income can be a dirty word to some piece, people, but it basically is front loading the work yeah. and and just putting the value up front, like. Like my my videos, for example, when I make them, you know, they might make a little bit of money at the start, but that then they're making at least a few dollars every every month into the future. And so, like, if you count, like, I don't know, ten years into the future, and then tally up all that money, then you say, oh well, I spent this much time making that video, and I got paid this much, and it's still going. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's 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 just it's it's the business way of thinking. I think you know it's that, almost, that's a, yeah. a way to scale. It's like deferred um, happiness, I guess, right? Or deferred income. It's the smartest thing in the world, yeah. and I think passive income is the best word in the world. I, like, <laughs> I, I don't think it's dirty at all. So, speaking of what you're up to right now, you, I didn't know you were doing it, but I saw the launch, mm-hmm. and you've got you've redone Ernest Affiliate under a new name. Income boss, right? <laughs> I called it big boss before. <laughs> um, yeah, you want to tell us about why you um, made a second version of Ernest Affiliate and what's what's in, in Income Boss? Yeah, so from day one, I had a really hard time finding a domain name for for my course. Mm-hmm. And when I came up with Ernest Affiliate, I was like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want to promote. Yeah. I want people to become honest earnest ethical affiliates and promote products they really believe in yeah unfortunately nobody can spell earnest or affiliate <laughs> oh really and, and try it like just just think in your head how do you spell earnest affiliate yeah and i would guarantee eight out of ten people will do it wrong okay and i know this because even today i still spell it wrong and i always have to like when i give out my email address i have to like double check that it's right oh, okay so for the last two years now or three years that it's been out, I've been wanting a different no- name. And I just keep, every time I think of a name, I check on Namecheap if it's available and it's always taken. Yeah. And I never wanted to buy a domain name because I just feel, like, it's like I hate people who squat on domains, like these domainers. Yeah. And, and I just like, I feel like I'm like. It's a bit shocking. Yeah, and I'm like feeding their greed by if I pay more than $20 for a domain name. Yeah. So I just refuse to do it. And it's been kind of holding me back from really promoting Ernest Affiliate because of kind of a couple of things. One is I, w- I wanted to update the videos just because I filmed it three years ago when I was making like two or $3,000 a month in affiliate income. Yeah. And at the time it was good, you know, and I was really like proud of that. And I knew a lot of people would, you know, be happy making that amount. But then I've been using myself as a case study these last two or three years. And I started making over 10,000 mm-hmm. and I was like, I want to teach like these new kind of, I don't want to say like updated methods, but kind of just what I figured out for myself. Yeah. 
And I also realized I could teach it better. So for example, in an earnest affiliate, we start with the affiliate part of finding the offer and then in module like three or four, then we start building the website and the content. And I realized since then, that's not the the best way of teaching. It's, you know, pretty much, most people are just starting out with no blog or no audience. So we gotta get that foundation. We gotta get people writing content that has nothing to do with money in the beginning because that's really the only 100% authentic way you can create content is if you don't not even thinking about the money yet and then we go back and find things that we talked about anyways and then we monetize that Uh so just the order I knew was going to be better and finally I decided I was like okay let me just you know pay for domains I paid I think it was like $1,900 for the domain name but people can spell it I think everyone can spell it in Comboss and it's it's short, it's yeah. you know it's just easier. And then when I got that, that's when it really kicked in. And I was like, okay, I've been wanting to refilm this course. I have a good domain name. Let me just let's sit down and actually do it. That's kind of like the reason why I, I came out of retirement. I guess yeah. is I was bored for I, I for six months. All I did was hang out with Sam and in, in like Ireland, yeah. uh, scuba dived a lot. I went to Bali. I went to Komodo mm-hmm. and. It was fun, but then I was like, okay, I want to do something. I just, I enjoy doing this. Okay. Well, that's a good segue into the more lifestyle stuff. It is interesting for me to kind of get the perspective of somebody who is on that level of freedom and and what kind of would motivate them and and where they would go in the world. You've spent a lot lot of time in uh, Thailand and Chiang Mai, and that's where we got to know each other. Um, But this year, it seems like you're spending... A lot of is this the most amount of time you spent out of Chiang Mai? In one yeah, year? it was yeah. crazy. I was thinking about it. I was like, when was I last last in Chiang Mai? Yeah. And I think it was last January. I think I left in February or something. Okay. So it's been almost a year, which is crazy. I think I'll be out because I'm I don't plan on going back until after Christmas. Okay. So I think I'll be away for eleven months, which is the longest I've been away from Thailand since two thousand and seven. Yeah, and it's surprising because you seemed you seem very settled there, you know. And you had you had the same apartment. You still got the same apartment, or you no? Moved? I finally got rid of it. Oh, okay. And so I had the best apartment. It was like two blocks from the co-working space, two yeah. blocks from the gym. And because I had moved in when they first opened, I had a, such a good deal. I was paying twelve thousand baht, which is about four hundred dollars or a little bit less, actually, maybe three fifty. 350 US dollars and had a pool, had a gym, had a sauna. Yeah. It was a one bedroom apartment, so I had like a separate living room and a kitchen. It was just perfect. Yeah. But I, I kind of outgrew the space, I would say. Okay. Um, and I was just, I started like collecting stuff, you know? Like, you know how when you're, when you settled in somewhere, you start buying things? Yeah. Like, I had, you know, a bunch of stuff in my kitchen that was like taking up all the space on the countertops. I had too much clothes, I had like camping gear, and I realized it was holding me back again. It was kind of like when you first become nomadic and you have all the stuff that you, you know, feel like you can't throw away because you might need it or you spend all this money on it, but then you really want to just be light and travel and Mm -hmm. keep your apartment empty. And I didn't do it because of all that stuff, so I just kept going back and I kept, you know, going back to this apartment. Yeah. 
So you don't have a, an apartment now? You don't have a dwelling? Nothing. <laughs> I've been homeless now for six months. How does that feel? Because Denise and I are at the stage now, like we left Chiang Mai uh, April and we're like true nomads now because <laughs> beforehand we kind of just kept coming back to Chiang Mai and then last year we spent uh, six months of the year in Chiang Mai and this month it's like this sorry this year it's like we spent three months at the start and then the eight months of travel so we feel like proper nomads now and what we're cra- craving is like oh it'd be good to come back to a place like have a have a base that's nearby um and now like home like where we're from in australia seems more like that now um do you do you find that you you're craving the base or or it hasn't been long enough or no no 100 percent uh, especially my buddy Chris I'm traveling with he like he keeps talking about going back to the US because with Chris like he he was just tired from traveling so much and I was pretty exhausted too because even though we tried to tra- travel a bit slower like you end up moving a lot so like when we were in Bali we moved apartments a few times moved from Chenggu to Ubud then went to Komodo for a few weeks and then back to you know, you know the mainland and then I was in Spain then Ireland, and then back to Spain, and then uh, Lviv in Ukraine, and then Kiev, and then Odessa. And it was just so much traveling that I was exhausted. And when we got to Grand Canary, we checked into an Airbnb for just for three nights, and then we had three days to find an apartment. And I remember the like first day that I moved into my semi-permanent apartment that we had for 48 nights, yeah. I was like, just, just collapsing on the bed just out of exhaustion and moving so much <laughs> and just so happy to go to be able to go to a grocery store and buy like a month's worth of groceries and just like have a normal place to live again yeah no because um i guess when you've built up um to that level of freedom and and you and you self-announce your retirement mm-hmm. you don't want to have to you don't have to do that, you know. You don't have to to move around so much and and stress yourself out. Um, well, no, no, no. It's one of those things where I figured it's like by not having to work, that's when I should move around and just do all these you know fun kind of cool things, because like you can't get work done when you're on a dive trip in Komodo yeah. or like hiking there or even like in Bali because the internet's not that great. And so I, I wanted to just take advantage of that time off. And I knew, I think when I, when I re- announced I was retired, I think a lot of people read it wrong because I was very clear in that blog post. I think people just read the, the, t- the headline. Yeah. All right. And in the blog post, I like very clearly said, you know, like I'm retired. And I like put that in quotes. And, and I said, what do I mean by that? I mean, I don't have to work anymore if I want to continue living in Thailand on a... I think it was $1,800 or something a month yeah. that was guaranteed for the rest of my life, pretty much. Yeah. And I was like, okay. and I, it's basically, I was like, I can retire, and this is what retired people want to do. They move to Chiang Mai, and they live off of $1,800 a month. Yeah. And in the post, I also wrote, like, I'm just going to take as much time off as I want, and that, and, and that might be three months, it might be three years, or it might be yeah. 30 years. But when I get back to doing some kind of work, it's going to be something that I'm really passionate about. Yeah, it's, I think it's the word retirement. It means something. I think people, um, what is that quote? Most people live lives of quiet desperation. I mean, most people are working to pay bills, right? So 
they would have this idea that if I didn't have to work, I would just not work and I wouldn't be motivated to do anything. I'll just sit on a beach. But if they did have that opportunity to sit on a beach for months on end, it's like in Tim Ferriss talks about in the four hour work week, you're going to need something to keep you occupied. You don't just want to I mean, if you're outworked and, and you've been working 10 years and you feel like a holiday, yes, having a infinity holiday, like a lifetime holiday sounds great, but there's other stuff that'll motivate you once you slow down and relax a bit. Well, like even my parents, like they're both retired now, but they're always busy. Yeah. Like they're like going to, you know, these classes or like these dance classes or like some weird rehearsal things for some like old people show, you know, <laughs> uh, and like they're just doing stuff, you know, like my mom's like learning a new instrument, my dad's gardening. So it's even though you're not working and not going to a nine to five job, you still need to f- fill the same amount of hours. And yeah. there's only so much time that you're going to want to watch TV or even lay on a beach. Yeah. Okay. So what's the um, plan for you moving forward? Your client kind of, your schedule is kind of free. You can kind of choose within the next few months where you're going to be. Do you have any idea about where that's going to be or? Yeah. So I've decided that I want to travel less again yeah. just because I've, I've been tired of just moving so much. Um, so Grand Canary, I'm going to stay here for three months okay. until December. Then I'm going to spend December back in the U.S., see some family and do some things and then in january i'll be in chiang mai for nomad summit 2018 (laughs) and after that i don't know then it's it's free um i mean i could technically go anywhere in the world Mm -hmm. but i've decided i don't want to move so much anymore so what i'm gonna do instead is after nomad summit i'm gonna find a place that i want to stay for six months or even a year Okay. Outside of Chiang Mai, you're thinking? Or? Yeah, well, I mean, so I like Chiang Mai a lot. Yeah. Um, and I still recommend it as the best place to go when you're first starting out and you yeah. want to get Absolutely. just, you know, immersed in the nomad scene. Mm. But f- there's two reasons why I, I'm going to move after Nomad Summit. And one is mainly the weather, burning season. Oh, yeah. So I kind of have to leave anyways. Um, and if you guys don't know what burning season is, every March, April in Chiang Mai, they burn all the crops. And there's tons of pollution, tons of smoke. It's, just, it's not good for your health. Yeah. So you always leave. Um, smart people leave. <laughs> <laughs> I've been there for burning season the last three years. <laughs> it's crazy. I just, it's just my timing. My timing's off. Yeah, so I just, I just try to plan it so I'm not there for, for that time. Yeah. So. Um, so there's that and also I think you know I've been in Chiang Mai for four years mm-hmm. and I love it and I can it's that place I know I can always go back to because yeah. it's comfortable it's cheap you know the weather is good mm-hmm. so it's like almost I don't want to I don't want to call it a backup plan uh, because yeah. you know it's not it's it's it was my first choice and I think it should be most people's first choices when they first start out but yeah. then there's places like Grand Canary that I never even knew about that so far i love it yeah i love it here as well in fact this is my favorite destination so far outside of asia um and it's because it's hard to find the mix of everything that i love about asia like the good all year that's the toughest thing about europe is like all year round good weather like where are you going to find that maybe south of spain or something but here we're off we're like 
tech well not in mainland europe but this is part of spain so it's like all the amenities all the infrastructure of spain or europe yeah there's like the decathlon there's like kia yeah and but we're in a island that's like great weather all year round we're in this city called las palmas that's at the tip, top of the island and we can walk everywhere um after i finish here at co-working sea i'll be walking home i um, walk to the other co-working space today to meet a friend and walk to lunch, walk to the gym. Yeah, it's a very walkable city yeah. and it has a gorgeous beach. You know, uh, the water is clean. It's not, like, it's not like Bali where the water is polluted and there's like garbage everywhere. <laughs> Here the water is like clean. Like when you're snorkeling, you accidentally drink some water. Instead of feeling like you just drank raw sewage, it, <laughs> it feels like you just drank like crisp, salty water and you're like oh you know i'm not gonna drink more of it but it wasn't that bad yeah yeah no i remember i got the sense that the inconveniences of bali got to you (laughs) yeah so like everywhere i go i weigh like the the pros and cons and and i almost call like the the awesomeness to the to the crappiness factor yeah and places like chiang mai the reason why i like it so much is not that it's the most beautiful place in the world. Yeah. You know, it's beautiful enough where, like, there's nice mountains and scenery, mm. but, you know, there's no beach, there's no, like, wow factor, right? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of good things, you know, so the amazingness factor is, like, it's pretty high, but it's not, like, wow, right? Yeah. But the bullshit factor or, like, <laughs> the annoying factor is really low because there's nothing really wrong with it. It's easy to live, it's easy to get by, nobody's trying to rip you off, no one's trying to rob you. Yeah. Like, it's pretty, you know, relatively clean. It's like everyone's nice, it's cheap. Bali was kind of the opposite where there's a lot of really amazing things about it, but there's so many annoying things about it. Yeah. Like, you know, every single taxi driver trying to scam you, Ubers, you know, not showing up for 30 minutes. Uh, it, you know, being really hard to get money out of ATM, mm. everybody's card getting skimmed or, or you know, or, or scammed. Just like a bunch of negative things about it, and all those like downsides were way higher than the upsides, or at least both were really high. So it was like really, really cool, but also really, really annoying, and I just couldn't take it. I yeah, I would have to agree with you there. <laughs> um, I I um, actually got caught on a video saying that Chiang Mai was was boring. Actually, I've, I've mentioned this in another interview as well. It's like, because I really, I, I, I kind of regret saying that now, but it's, it's not like, it's not super, it's not like this amazing, super exciting, you know, place and, and, and filled with um, all these crazy activities. Although you can go into the mountains, you can ride a scooter and, and all that stuff. That's just really cool. But it's just, it's just a great place to live because everything is so convenient. And I think if it was more touristy and there was all these things that, um, like people came to see like tr- transient tourist people it would kind of ruin it a little bit yeah it would well. yeah yeah I mean and that's yeah like think of it as Chiang Mai is like your your hot boyfriend or girlfriend that is like just like normal you know they're like a good person they're like you know they're stable everything's good about them they're great yeah. while your Bali boyfriend or girlfriend is hot as crap but they're like a psychopath and they're like a manic depressive and they're like just you know all over the place yeah i I think of it as as that yeah and that's what makes bali a good place to to 
yeah, for tourism to go and have a have a trip and experience that craziness. Mm. Um, but for me, I've never. I mean, part of what I'm trying to do is, like, people ask me as well, like, why are you traveling so much? And what I'm trying to do is, is kind of discover the. I think we're you're trying to do this too, is trying to find like, well, is there? Some people say the Chiang Mai of Europe, or try and find similar conditions uh, overseas and see if what else is out there, and and not just because like Chiang Mai is is really good, but you know, it's like there's like that. I don't I don't want to say grass is greener on the other side, but like what what else is out there in the world, and and could there be? Um, uh, somewhere with the, the 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 same attributes, but um, so far I haven't found. Plan, you know? Yeah, even the backup plan. Yeah, but I, so far Chiang Mai, um, I, I don't. There's nothing that can compare to it to me, and and it's hard to as well because it's just a lot of conditions are out of control, like like the weather, like um, some you know some regions in Europe no matter what they do, they're not going to have sunny weather all year round. Yeah, so the only reason why Grand Canary has good weather all year is if you look at a map, we're actually in Africa. Yeah. We're <laughs> off the coast of Africa. Yeah, so that's, what, that's what's great about it. It's like, it's like all the benefits of living in that near North Africa in terms of weather and everything, but still being... And, and I haven't been to Spain, but this feels like it would be Spain. This is like feels like you've been to Spain, right? Yeah, I've been to Spain. And... It's funny when you are on the beach, it feels like a completely different city than if you're like one block or two blocks in. Yeah. Like one or two blocks into the city, it feels like you're in Spain, like a smaller Barcelona. Yeah. Versus when you're on the beach, it feels like you're on a beach town, which is so you have kind of the nice contrast of both. Yeah. And and the other thing about it is I'm going to talk more about um, you know, Grand Canary in, in my review video, but the the variety of different areas and, and landscapes here. Like, I'm, I, I found a new town on the weekend called Terra. <laughs> it's called Terra, Terra, Terror or something. And uh, it was, I was like, wow, there's a beautiful church here. It's all traditional. And it's, even though there's like old town, which is Vegeta here, um, it's completely different. It's, it's even completely different to that. And then it's completely different to this. And then you go in the center of the island, there's these mountain ranges and, and you're like, wow. And then you go on the beach and even the beaches are different. Like uh, Las Cantaras up here is very different to Playa del Inglés, for example. And just like, I, I, I like that. If I'm traveling to a place, I like to see the different areas. And, and you know, a lot of places I've traveled to, no matter what area you go to, it looks the same. Yeah. Um, you know what's funny is, I was just thinking Australia ha has that too, where you have like the desert in the middle, you have beautiful beaches, you have city. Yeah. So Australia would be the perfect place, except for it's so damn expensive. Yeah. I've actually thought about if I was, could I do something? Because um, I went to my friend Serge's co-working space in northern Serbia, and his town that he comes from, it's got pretty good conditions for nomads. It's just not a good tourism market there. So if you want to find an Airbnb or whatever, or um, some other things that you would need for foreigners, it can be a problem. But it's like good conditions, but also that he's passionate about his, his town and he's bringing people, he has a mission to bring people to that town. And I thought, could it sort of inspired me. I'm like, could I convince people? Like, could I set something up in, in, in Brisbane or Gold Coast where I'm from um, and convince people to come to Australia? And 
there's just two big problems and that's like one is like people see it as far away which it is but the the bigger problem is like it's far away and it's isolated like it's not a thoroughfare to anything and then the the second major problem is like you said like short-term cost of living is ridiculous like trying to find an airbnb in my city for example it's like it's almost like impossible to find any like because i know what the rent should be like we were talking at lunch about airbnb rates and whether they're a ripoff like i know what it costs to rent in like my city and like on airbnb it's just a whole nother level and there's not many there's not much competition because it's not kind of the place where people not, not many people are transient in Australia and that's part of the reason like I think the isolation comes into that as well because in Europe oh, there's so much movement that's why you get all the cheap flights as well because there's like so much volume of people moving from place to place um, so maybe in the future oh, there's also the internet thing with Australia <laughs> no internet <laughs> well there's internet but it's it's like Thailand has better internet than Australia we can we can fix that but I don't know how we're gonna with the cost of living. I think maybe once the the nomad scene grows and then you get like really high like high earning nomads, maybe the then once the market grows to that point, you could convince them to come to Australia. But, but it's I a tough sell. I think that's why people like Bali is because it feels a little bit like Australia. Like you have the beach. A lot of most of the restaurants are owned by Australians, yeah. so it just you know it, it feels like you're in Australia, but it's just cheaper and it's slightly easier to get to because it's it's still in Asia. Yeah, I'm sure the similar thing would be in the case in like maybe Mexico or something where you go to those tourist towns and a lot of it's run by Americans. I'm actually going to Mexico. I'm going to Playa del Carmen upcoming. Yeah, when are you going? Um, so what's the dates? So I get off Nomad Cruise on the 8th and then I have a, uh, 13 days in Medellin and then I go. So what's that? Like late October, okay. November. Yeah. Very cool. So I, that was actually my plan where if I wasn't going to stay in Grand Canary, I was going to go to Playa del Carmen because mm-hmm. I want to like it. It's a beach town. It's near the U.S. It's relatively cheap. Yeah. I like Mexican food. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. So I really want to like it, but I... I've just told myself not to travel as much anymore. So I'm, I'm like, do everything a bit slower. So that's why I'm thinking about staying here for three months and then going straight back to the US. Yeah. But who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Um, I can see my camera is running out of battery here. And uh, I think that's probably a good place to wrap up. So thanks, Johnny, for being the uh, first guest on season two. Season two. Thanks for watching and listening, guys. Um, Stay tuned to the next episode. And it links to everything we talked about, obviously, uh, in the show notes and uh, links to Johnny's stuff as well. Yeah, very cool, guys. Thanks for watching. Go to johnnyfd.com if you want to see my blog or listen to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. Excellent. All right. See you soon, guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. For show notes, head to christopherfreelancer.com forward slash podcast, where you'll find this week's episodes, discussion points, and links mentioned, as well as the entire back catalog of all the podcast episodes on this podcast. Also, I'd love to hear your feedback in the comments section. Just scroll down to leave a comment on the show notes. Here, you can let me know if you liked the podcast, what you didn't like, as well as request topics for future episodes. I make the podcast to help you guys, so let me know what you want to hear. 
As always, thanks for listening. Be sure to hit subscribe and I'll see you on the next episode.